The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Welcome to Devotions with Bishop Dolan. Uh, today is our first show, and Your Excellency, I think you'd like um, to start us uh, with a prayer that's germane to our topic. Yes, thank you, Stephen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. The prayer of St. Simon Stock. Flower of Carmel, blossoming vine, splendor of heaven, mother divine, none like to thee. Mother of meekness, peerless thou art, to thy Carmelite children, thy favors impart, star of the sea. Mary, Queen, beauty of Carmel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, uh, those who are uh, listening, that's uh, Bishop Daniel Dolan, who's joining us today from St. Gertrude the Great Catholic Church. Thank you for joining us, Your Excellency. You're welcome. And uh, we're going to be doing a monthly show. Um, His Excellency shows have been so popular on the flagship Restoration Radio show that we decided to give him his own show. Uh, Oh, I'm honored. (laughs) And once a month we'll be talking about... um, the devotional universe, which within within the Catholic Church is, is quite, quite large. But we're going to start with one of the, the big ones today. Uh, you heard His Excellency pray the prayer of St. Simon Stock, and uh, that means we're going to be talking about the brown scapular. Um, I suppose we should back up for a second, Your Excellency, and talk about what the role of a sacramental, you know, a little bit of catechism class, what is a sacramental, and what role does it play in our lives? Yes, a sacra- the, the word sacramental comes from the word sacrament. It's a diminutive or a smaller version. It is, as it were, a little sacrament. Remember that sacraments work, as it were, automatically. As we say, from the working of the work, ex opere operato, uh, the sacrament has, has a certain effect. So the baby is baptized, the bread and the wine are consecrated, a couple give themselves to each other in matrimony. A sacramental is a little bit different, but the, like as with a sacrament where you have matter and form, something external, heard or seen or touched, perceived by the senses, so too in a sacramental you have something external. It is either a ceremony or it is a an object. And um, the difference is this, that in a sacramental, the use of this object is meant to stir us up to piety, to acts of piety, which give grace, not sacramental or, or sanctifying grace, but that other kind of grace we all need all day long, which is actual grace. So by using, by taking holy water, nothing happens automatically, but when I use holy water devoutly and with a good intention, then uh, my soul is moved to elicit certain acts of devotion, which Almighty God in turn rewards, and therefore, whether it be holy water as protection or holy water as uh, purification, forgiveness from venial sin, for example. So the scapular, the scapulars, because um, as we were talking just a moment ago before the show started, there's I, I counted 20, you counted 18 different scapulars that we'll be speaking about some of them this morning. The scapular is a good example of an external object which... Um, uh, works that way by inspiring in our hearts this certain devotion to God, which in turn brings grace. Not automatically, but 
but by means of that inspiration of grace. Well, and the scapular, because it's worn inside, at least the what we understand as the small devotional scapulars, as opposed to the religious scapulars, which we'll talk about in a moment, mm-hmm. um, the ones that are, let's say, a bit more external, what is that? What's the role of of that external witness to to those around us, and is it something necessary? I guess someone would ask, well, do do you have to do it? The scapular um, may be worn externally, and sometimes you can't avoid that other people would see that you are indeed wearing a scapular. And in that sense, it serves like like a medal or, or a cross, a crucifix, and there's uh that that you might say is an added plus it's something your own personal devotion which may draw the attention of others maybe an occasion to answer some questions to talk about things and indeed to uh profess the catholic faith and all of those uh, results are are truly excellent and uh, very pleasing to god it's a, it's a little little bit of the apostolate over and above that which uh, that those graces that come to for your own personal life uh, by means of the brown scapular of consecration to the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, I alluded to earlier, Your Excellency, and the, the scapular that's most visible to a lot of people would be an external religious uh, scapular. And, and for those who know a bit of your history, you at one time were, were garbed in this. Um, could you yes. tell us a little bit about what, what the purpose of that original scapular was and is today? They say that the scapular... Uh, started originally as a kind of an apron worn over the proper monastic habit, and so that is perhaps the origin of the scapular as a religious garment. That is to say that the monastic habit itself, either the wide, voluminous kukula or cowl, it's called, and then the tunic, uh, which uh, is is uh, worn underneath, which is a kind of a cassock in effect, a, a floor-length garment, uh, was um, protected during work from getting soiled by means of this little apron. That may in- indeed be the origin of it. Sometimes they say it was worn, sort of uh, pleated, but and then spread out when during work times. But all scapulars have this in common, the little one that people wear or the big one that religious wear, that is to say that they hang from the scapulae. You see the origin of, of the English word from the Latin for shoulder or shoulders. And so a scapular in a religious habit is worn floor length from from, uh, from top to bottom, as it were, from under the neck all the way down to the floor, in the front and in the back. And then, of course, the smaller ones are uh, are just a little piece of cloth that are sort of a symbolic um a symbolic uh, connection with the habit worn by full religious and along these lines Stephen I have a question for you it's actually a little spot quiz do you know what the first what is the origin of the first religious order scapular uh, that is to say, a little layman scapular, such as we're both wearing today, the brown scapular, piece of cloth on the front and the back. What religious order used that scapular for for the, for the laity, first of all? Hint, it's a religious uh, order with which you and I had a little connection in our misspent youth. Uh, I would have to say the Cistercians, then. Nope. 
the Norbertines. Order. The Norbertines. Yeah. Okay. The Norbertines are the are the canons of Premontre, the Premonstratensian fathers. Um, that I believe is the first example of um, this idea of giving a part of the habit, which is still absolutely operative in in the Brown scapula today. It's giving a part of the habit to lady living in the world who are, in some sense, by means of a confraternity with the Carmelite brown scapular, or a third order with the premonstratensions connected with the order. The story is this. Uh, this goes back to before, this is the 12th century, this is before St. Simon Stock received the, the, the habit of the brown scapular from Our Lady, uh, that, there, that um, St. Norbert who uh, about 1120 had founded the reformed canons of Premontre, uh, the l little place in, uh, in northern France, the valley of Premontre. St. Norbert was approached by a count, Theobald of Champagne, who wanted to join. St. Norbert realized this man, well-meaning and devout though he was, had no vocation to his, uh, to his order, and said instead, you're good. I'll, I'll let you be connected with our order. You'll share in our graces and our prayers and our spirit, and uh, you'll do your best to sanctify yourself in the world. That was the origin of the third order as we know it today, and he gave him a scapular to wear. So that was, as I say, considerably before the brown scapular came about, but that shows how old in medieval life is this concept of the laity being associated with an order. Um, all that logically then will, will take us into the very interesting. I'm dying to tell you the story of the of the history of the brown scapular and the Carmelite order. So um, it starts with the prophet Elias on Mount Carmel and his uh, follower, uh, the prophet Eliseus, his successor and then the men who were their followers in turn, who are known sometimes as the children of the prophet, all sorts of interesting adventures, the slaying of the priests of Baal and so forth. And they lived as, uh, tradition is, that they lived as hermits on Mount Carmel. Having heard about our Lord, they sent uh, representatives to Jerusalem, and uh, they themselves were baptized at Pentecost, went back to Mount Carmel, which is actually, of course, a mountain, a mountain overlooking the Mediterranean Sea in the Holy Land. And there, the, they built the first chapel in the world to honor the Virgin Mary and lived, uh, uh, these early Carmelites did, a strictly eremitical life over the centuries. Around the time of the Crusades, a couple of things happened. That with the pressures from the, the, the Mohammedans, it was more and more difficult for the hermits to exist. And then the influence of the, uh, of the crusaders, in particular the French, um, led to the introduction of the Carmelites into the West. There was a, a Saint Albert, who was the Patriarch of Jerusalem. He organized the Carmelites, the Carmelite hermits into a regular, you might say, modern or Western-style religious order and gave them a rule and introduced them into Europe. They, went, they came to France, and they also came to England. Now, around this time, 
the Council of the Lateran had occurred, and one of the uh, canons of the Council of the Lateran was that no new religious orders should be started. So therefore, when these brethren, uh, these hermits, came from the Holy Land, in effect for refuge to refound the order in the West so they could survive, they were... They, they were looked upon askance because they were something new and there weren't supposed to be any new orders. First problem. Second problem was the way they looked. They got the nickname right away of, as Fratres Variegati, Striped Brothers, because the habit, the cloak actually, that they wore as their distinctive habit was striped, brown or black and white. You see some early pictures of Eastern monks of hermits wearing something like that striped. But that did not play well in Christian Europe because stripes were always considered to be almost diabolic, perverse, unnatural, not good. You didn't, you didn't dress in stripes. It wasn't done. Uh, in fact, there's a whole interesting article I read once uh, on, on, the, on the topic how the, the connotation of stripes has always been a little bit uh, satanic, diabolic, or revolutionary throughout the history of clothing in Europe. Yeah, interesting. So that's the problem. Then the other difficulty is this. These priests who came over went from a purely eremitical life hidden from the world on a mountain to being mendicants. That is to say that they begged, they had poverty, they begged alms of, of others, and uh, they did, uh, as the Franciscans or the Dominicans, pastoral work, preaching and hearing confessions and so forth. So there was a certain amount of jealousy too. All of this leads us up to the um, famous apparition to St. Simon Stock. He was an interesting Englishman. He got his start himself on his own as a hermit. Uh, as, even as, as a boy or a young man, they say, he lived in a tree trunk. And, of course, the English are known for being eccentric. And um, at some point went to the Holy Land and was received in the, into the old Carmelite order and um, was eventually as an old man, elected as the prior or master general of the Carmelites. Uh, he was in despair as to what was, what was going to happen because of this prejudice against his order. He knew they had to change the habit. That was a, it was just bad PR that looked the way they did. But the older fathers were, of course, uh, as is understandable, very attached to their traditional Carmelite habit. And, of course, they weren't going to change. Um, what was he going to do? So there he is. I picture him in his tree trunk, uh, and there in, in Kent, in England, and um, Aylesford, and he's praying to Our Lady one night, the year is 1251. Our Lady appears to him to answer his, his call of distress, as Our Lady always does help us out, and uh, he asks her, this is how it happened. He asked her for the privilegium, the privilege, and that meant in the medieval world of lords and vassals, that meant the protection that Our Lady would be the lady, uh, the, uh, the sovereign, the mistress of the order, and that they would be part of the family, the familia, as the vassals and the serfs were part of the family of and under the protection of any great medieval lord. That was the request. So Our Lady graciously answers their request and to solve the problem gives a new habit and that habit is the brown wool of the, of the scapular to uh, St. Simon Stock 
and, and with it, this tremendous Carmelite privilege that no one who dies clothed with this habit will suffer eternal fires. So that's the essence of the uh, the story of how we got the scapular. The at the beginning, um, and probably for a long time, the, the the scapular referred to the entire habit, and so it was a Carmelite habit in effect that was given the the brown tunic or robe, and then the brown apron or scapular that's worn in the front and uh, in the back. And it was only uh, it was only later that it came to be this this habit. Uh, identified with the uh, the scapular itself. So, one of the one of the questions about the scapular, which you know, for for those who are not as familiar with there being some controversy about the um, Sabatine privilege, um, it's something of a accepted notion, I think, today, if you were to ask most people wearing the scapular, I think most of them would refer to the Sabatine privilege or at least some version of it. And mm-hmm. I thought it'd be helpful to talk about that a little bit. Let's see. Yes. Well, so we have to, first of all, now we've sort of jumped from, there are two uh, scapular privileges that the Carmelites have. The first of these is um, the scapular promise not to suffer the eternal fires of hell. And the second of these that you brought up is what's known as the Sabbatine from the Latin Sabbatum Saturday, the Saturday privilege. So what's the Saturday privilege? The Saturday privilege was first revealed, it is piously believed, to the French cardinal who would become Pope John XXII towards the end of the great um, uh, schism in the Catholic Church in the late Middle Ages. Our Lady told this cardinal that he would be elected Pope and that when he was elected Pope, therefore he should promulgate this privilege that those who died in this habit would be delivered from purgatory, not only saved from hell, but would be delivered from purgatory on the first sabbatum, sabbatum primum, the first Saturday after that person's death, if they uh, observed that the popes in their different bulls and decrees over the centuries have made it very clear. If they observe certain conditions, there are three conditions. Obviously, this applies, first of all, to the Carmelites, and then it applies to all of us who have been enrolled in the confraternity of the, of the scapular, which is a way of being, and this is the only way it works, you're sort of an honorary Carmelite. You, uh, the conditions for the Sabatine privilege are that one wears the scapular, and now at the digress. Now, what's the scapular? The scapular is a little piece of the big habit, first instituted by St. Norbert, possibly, in 1120, now 1251. The big brown habit is given to the Carmelites, St. Simon Stock, and eventually they, too, take in third-order members, and then finally honorary or confraternity members, who share, nonetheless, by church decree in church jurisdiction, by all of the blessings and all of the graces of the Carmelite order, all their prayers and benefits. So we lay people wear a little brown scapular, a piece of brown wool, and it should be wool, by the way. We don't want to be scrupulous about this stuff, but the, the scapular is supposed to be wool, just as altar linens are supposed to be linen. There's something to be said for natural fabric, so the artificial stuff you shouldn't use. You should use brown wool. We share in 
by wearing this uh, symbolic part of the full habit, we share in the graces of the order. So that's the first requirement for the Saturday or the Sabbatine privilege. Um, and so, but view this as being as as given to those who are sort of like third order members, uh, because there are certain obligations too. So even if you're just in the Scapular Confraternity, you're not a third order Carmelite. Nevertheless, you willingly adopt the third order Carmelite obligations. So the first of these is to wear the scapular. That's good. The second of these is to observe chastity according to your state of life. That's an obvious one, but Our Lady makes and the popes make that very clear as a condition for this Saturday after your death privilege of being released from purgatory. And then the third of these has an interesting history, too. It was originally, and for centuries until the 20th century, uh, the recitation of the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary each day. Based on the divine office, the uh, little office is uh, contains seven hours or divisions for the night and during the day, and um, is a shorter office, but is, is an office that is to say contains psalms and antiphons and hymns and then prayers honoring Our Lady in the three, three, three divisions of it for the three seasons of the year. Many religious orders, such as the Cistercians, used to recite the, the big office and also the office of, of the liturgy of the day and also the little office of the Virgin Mary out of devotion. So it was considered obligatory to recite the little office. But then sometimes, especially for those who um, could not read, there would be a dispensation given to recite a certain number of Our Fathers and Hail Marys. Uh, then... By, the, by about 1950 or so, it was um, promulgated and pretty much understood that you could request the dispensation to replace the little office with the uh, rosary, with five decades of the rosary each day. And then in our time after the Cataclysm of Vatican II, I would say it's become pretty much a custom, I don't know, outside of the law possibly, but in any case, a very firm custom now that all you have to do is just simply say your rosary each day. There's a name I'd ask for a dispensation uh, for, or from, to, to, with, with that authority. So you, you simply, it's understood today, you would simply just say your rosary. So those are the three conditions. That's the Sabbatine privilege. Uh, Saint, um, Saint Alphonsus says this, it says, and if we do a little more, can we not hope that we shall go straight to heaven, even without passing through purgatory? And this little bit more he's talking about are the three obligations of the Sabbatine privilege. So, so you see those are two separate things. The one, uh, it's, all, it's all fire protection, basically. One is the fires of hell, and the other is the fires of purgatory. Hmm. Well, and it there's two interesting things here. One is we take it from a religious order. It's a practice of religious. Therefore, we have responsibilities in a diminished way, but somewhat similar, yes. you know, religious. So they, they pray the office. They have chapter. They have other responsibilities. So we can't right. just take something from the religious life and think that, you know, all we have to do is just wear it because we're lay people. Sure. We don't have responsibilities. There are responsibilities attached to this. Right. What else I think is interesting is the notion of um, time, talking about Saturday, because I think back to indulgences and the way that we think about indulgences. We think about quarantines, 
300 days. And um, you know, people don't know that those used to come from ancient penances, that you know, when, when um, confessions were a lot tougher back then mm-hmm. and uh, penances were a lot tougher, um, oh, yeah. we, we, we date those indulgences to give us some sense of that. But I suppose in some ways that's really just for us because you know, the soul in purgatory is not going to know <laughs> what day it is. Like, well, it's Tuesday. I've only got, only got five more days to go. Uh, you know, whatever. No, that because means. it's yeah. That's a challenge because it's 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 sort of an equivalency, and I always think of of it in terms of angels doing the math, because it's the equivalency of how much merit. If you were raised in the old days, you remember uh, sister teaching catechism, and I remember this as a boy, uh, and then drawing the milk bottle on the blackboard with chalk. And then how much grace you have in your soul, this much and this much. And then the, the partial indulgence would be so much grace, a certain amount of milk in the bottle. And then a plenary indulgence would fill the bottle up. Uh, it's a little bit that idea. We're trying to quantify something which can't be quantified, really. So the church measures these graces uh, with indulgences in terms of, as you say, in terms of days of penance. And so a 300 days indulgence which the church gives very liberally for many, many prayers, that's a partial indulgence, uh, is the equivalent of you doing penance for 300 days. Now think about that. A year's worth of penance, fasting every day, and abstaining from meat probably, for starters, and then maybe a few other things thrown in too, like prayers or psalms. That's a lot of effort on your part. That's a lot of sacrifice. And it it, that take, it us, takes everything just to ignore it on Fridays, Your Excellency. I just got to not be around any bacon or anything. I mean, 300 days of no bacon, I don't know what days, I would do. Im, imagine, imagine this. For, yeah, it, it is a lot. It gives us some idea of how severe are the, are, are the justices and the judgments of God. Wow. Mm. It gives us some concept of that. And at the same time of how merciful Holy Mother Church is and how weak modern man is by his constitution and temperament and all of the rest, so that's why we, it behooves us to take advantage of these uh, of these indulgences. But that's an interesting theme that you had about if we participate in a religious order, if we're honorary members, why then it can't just be something external. Obviously, um, the habit does not make the monk. So if we were the, the brown scapula, that doesn't make us children of Mary. It's only if we have that intention to live as uh, children of Mary, as worthy Carmelites, you know, there's a um, there's a promise. A lot of the big religious orders claim this, but there's a, there's a promise that that was given to the Carmelites by Our Lady, that the actually from Our Lord, that the Carmelite order would last until the end of the world. And I'm thinking that maybe by means of the brown scapular and all of us who are honorary members of the order, uh, that promise is still being still being fulfilled today. Very very important. Yeah, well, it's a mystery, right? It's sort of like, uh, how is it that in Portugal the dogma of the faith will always be kept? You know, there must yes. there must be a, perhaps some way that that's happening. Some um, way that we that we can't understand. Yes. Right. Um, along the lines of the praxis of wearing the scapular, this has been a discussion, and I brought it up with you before the show that you know uh, when I've I visited many seminaries in, in my day for for any number of reasons, and when it's recreation time, there's a not quite a hot debate, but there's a division between the seminarians who insist on wearing a cassock uh, when they're re- recreating, and some will change into, you know, um, pants and, and a T-shirt to, to let's say, play soccer, uh, which is the only sport they play in South America. Um, 
And uh, somewhat related to the scapular, you know, I've talk, you know, talking to other lay people, it's like, well, you know, I, I never take it off. You know, you know, what happens if I take it off in the shower and, you know, so I, something happens. And I couldn't help but laugh. I wasn't trying to be irreligious, but I just thought, you know, what, what a deterministic God it must be that, you know, he's just waiting for you to take off your scapular so he can strike you down. Um, and it, I, I don't mean to, I, I'm not trying to be flippant. I just, when I think about that sort of, concept of devotion to the sacramental, I'm a bit wary because it makes it sound a bit like a superstition. It it does, and with all of the sacramentals, all of the promises, all of the privileges that that we possess as Catholics, there's always a danger to drag uh, Christianity a little bit towards paganism and and to turn our spirituality into superstition, in effect. There's always that danger. And the essence, I think, of superstition is to give a power to a thing instead of to Almighty God. And the pagans use that concept to bind God or their gods, or actually the devils whom they worship, to do their will, as though if they do certain external things properly, then then people think, and then God is going to be bound uh, to, to, to follow my... Um, to follow uh, my, my desires, in effect, to do what I want him to do regardless. And that's, that's got to be highly offensive to our Lord. And, of course, exactly the opposite of the virtues which the scapular is meant to inculcate in us. Pope Pius XII very beautifully said, about 1950-51, that the scapular is our sign of uh, consecration, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, so that enters, enters that whole world of what it means to be consecrated to the Sacred Heart or to the Immaculate Heart, um, the, uh, the, the idea of setting something, uh, taking a vessel, kind of like a chalice. Chalice is just a golden cup until it's consecrated. It's set aside for sacred use, for God and for God's glory. In that sense, the consecration of chalices, that's a sacramental too. Um, so too with us, by wearing the scapular, we're consecrated to Jesus through Mary, St. Louis de Montfort uh, theology here, uh, in a very efficacious way. And then the wearing of the scapular itself reminds us of that, because we're human beings, we need something external. But the idea is never to bind God or to oblige him. This idea on one side or the other that there would be gotcha moments, that's entirely antithetical to the spirit of our holy faith, and we, we Catholics can't have anything to do with that kind of kind of an idea. Uh, there's a there's an interesting French writer, uh, Father um, uh, Engelbert is his name, and um, he writes he wrote a book about the modern apparitions of Our Lady, beginning with the miraculous medal, the Rudebach, um, and it says that even with the instructions that come from Our Lady about how a scapular or a medal is meant to be used, don't take it too literally. And that there are many examples of miracles, especially miracles of preservation from death, that were given uh, to those who actually used a, a medal or a scapular devoutly, but not exactly the way Our Lady said it should be used. Some would say with a miraculous medal, not about his neck, but in his belt, was protected miraculously from death. That's that's maybe a, a good example of that. So, um, well, it always goes it goes back to our Lord's teaching. 
spiritus est qui vivificat. It's the spirit who gives life, and the flesh is worthless. Car autem prodest nihil. The flesh is worthless. So it's the spirit. It's the spirit of the thing that matters. So the spirit of the wearing of the scapular, our consecration, is to bring our heart and soul and body and our senses and all of us into subjection to God through the mother of God. Through persevering in this devotion, we consecrate, we give ourselves over to to God through Mary. So that's that that's gotta be the real the real Catholic spirit that has to animate all of these devotions. Maybe maybe now would be a good time to talk about to the um scapular medal as opposed to the wearing of the scapular. So yeah. that's permitted and I by the church. I was gonna yeah. say some people might say, well Stephen, you know, are you against wearing scapulars in the shower? Yeah, my position is no, there's not. I just I don't want people to be wearing oh, it okay, because no. they're afraid they're gonna be struck down. <laughs> so this no. relates yeah. to why would I wear a scapular medal? Sure. And uh, speaking of that, then before the show, we were talking about a simple scholastic um, distinction that has to be made that we wear what we were invested with a scapular by a priest in the proper ceremony from the ritual. And today, because of the circumstances, it's understood that any priest uh, has the has the presumed faculties from the church to be able to to perform the sacramental to receive us into the scapular confraternity. Um, and then it's uh, then the question after that is now do we can we wear a, a medal or can we wear a scapular? Do we have to wear it all the time? The scholastic distinction is this uh, that we wear it per modum uh, habitus. That is to say, as a general rule throughout our lives, we wear the scapular. But of course, there will be times, possibly in the shower or for some other reason, why we take the scapular off. That doesn't mean that we're not wearing the scapular. And should we die at that very moment, we would still be clothed in that garment because habitually we are clothed in that garment. Even though at certain times, per modum actus, there is, um, we're not actually physically wearing the scapular at that moment, but the we generally do, and that generally, that's sufficient. Uh, the scapular medal has an interesting history. It goes back possibly to soldiers and also to Catholics in very humid, hot climates. So Pope Pius X specifically gave permission and all of the privileges and all of the indulgences of the brown scapular to those who wear uh, the scapular medal and then... Beyond that, there's what's called the five-way scapular medal, which is maybe the equivalent of the five-way scapular, which is a little bit of a different subject we can get to in a moment. So the scapular medal may certainly be worn and should be worn without scruple. But when you wear the scapular medal, I have to say, you miss the significance of it. Uh, the significance of it is I'm wearing a little bit of a Carmelite habit. I'm an honorary Carmelite. I should live like a Carmelite, at least a little bit, by honoring God and the commandments of God, the duties of my state of life, chastity, and prayer. Mm. And, and and if it's a little bit rough, maybe just a little bit of a notion of what a hair shirt used to be like. Yes, exactly. People often complain. Sometimes they're their own worst enemies with scapulars, I have to say, because you, you might get a scapular that's all scratchy, not because of the wool, but because it's encased in plastic, and the plastic is sharp and scratchy. And then uh, sometimes the, the cords get tangled, or uh, there are some other inconveniences. But, but look at all the benefit 
for a woman in particular, the wearing of the brown scapular is a beautiful protection of mirror-like modesty. There's no question about it. And for a man, too, it's a reminder of the practice of the virtue of purity. and, and it is penitential to a certain degree. But remember, too, that all, all that's required is to be a little little piece, um, postage stamp size or smaller, of brown wool. It doesn't have to be blessed as long as you've once been enrolled by a priest in the scapular. It doesn't have to have a picture on it or anything, any symbol particularly. Uh, it just has to be worn, suspended by cords, in the front and in the back, a little piece of brown wool. That's all that's required, but sometimes that's enough. That can be itchy, a little bit uh, penitential, and as you say, hey, remember, think of those who are wearing hair shirts. Wow, on top of all of that, that really was penance. Right. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I think we're so used to if we get a new medal or if we get a crucifix, that obviously we have to get it blessed, um, but that the scapular doesn't operate that way. As you said, well, if, if you've if you've been received into it already and you lose it, you know the church in her in her wisdom, you know understood that you know you can lose scapulars and there's no there's not necessarily reason to keep bringing your new scapular to to father. Right. There's um the privilege that the I see the privilege of the brown scapular not even having to be blessed uh, as a little tiny tiny bit of an analogy with. Um, baptism, baptism of desire, with confession, and then the act of perfect contrition. That is to say that these things are so important that Almighty God in his goodness makes it as easy as possible for us to have access to his grace. And I think the brown scapular works that way, too. Uh, at some point, we have to talk about the about all the scapulars there are from all the religious orders, all the confraternities, and then all the the devotional badges or scapulars that exist too. But over all of them, as a queen, reigns the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, the the five-way scapular is an effort to hit the high points of these different graces and blessings with some of the main scapulars to participate then in the graces of the uh, of these of these different religious orders and these different devotions and the all of the promises are very beautiful and they're all true. However, I think you can make a case for simplicity here. Two popes in particular, Pope uh, Clement the Seventh and Pope Clement the Tenth, declared uh, that those who wear the brown scapular share in all of the spiritual treasures of all of the religious orders, the Franciscan cord, the Dominican rosary, all the graces, all the indulgences. So therefore, you would already be sharing in the Trinitarian graces or the Passionist graces or the Servite graces by wearing the brown scapular. You probably don't need to worry about a five-way. Just Mary's way, the brown way, is going to be uh, sufficient for you um, and I hope that we maybe relieve some people with their their scruples and want to be covered about this and covered about that. The um, actually the way to God is still fairly simple. We're given all of these different medals and devotions because uh, God knows, and our our mother, the Blessed Mother, knows that we all need help in different ways. And one thing will appeal to one person at a certain time, and something to another. The point is to do something to honor God. But I think that, that you could make a strong argument that that's that basic and that something for everybody is a scapular, preferably cloth, but at least a, a scapular metal. 
um, and that's sort of a, uh, a bare minimum. I think that every Catholic today should invest in. I think uh, there's, a, there's a simplicity and a, and a tremendous strength there. So you don't have to worry too much about all of the other scapulars, but they are interesting, aren't they? There are so many of them. I've got a few scapulars as we're speaking out on my desk today. I have the uh, scapular of uh, Our Lady of Pelvoisin or of Mercy of the Sacred Heart. I have a Sacred Heart badge. I have a green scapular. And, of course, my uh, and of course, I have a brown scapular out here, too. And then uh, the ritual with the blessings for all of these different scapulars. Each one has a different history, a particular apparition, or the sharing of the graces of a particular order. Uh, just uh, in fairly modern times, the um, Mother of Good Counsel scapular was uh, was uh, instituted by the Church and permitted um, a, a, as a way of showing one's devotion to the Mother of Good Counsel. But it always ends up with the same thing: How are you going to wear everything? It's impossible. Right, right. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, I could see I could see somebody, some some very fervid, fervent traditional Catholic attempting to do that today and wearing all 18 or all 20 uh, and then all the all the medals too but it's that's not that's not really necessary and this is that could maybe cause what they say is admiratio the wonder of others at that because it would come across as possibly a little exaggerated or maybe even superstitious so uh, you you do have to limit yourself but when you limit yourself to um, the brown scapular you do well because you're you're sharing in all of those graces of, of, of all the great religious orders. You know, sometimes, Stephen, I wonder about um, how that, you know, there's a traditional rivalry between the religious orders. We talk about the Jesuits versus the Dominicans and uh, the Franciscans, maybe against the Passionists, and sometimes they get very passionate in condemning each other. Um, how do... You know, the, the, for example, the Franciscans have their own rosary, the Seven Joys of Mary, the Franciscan Crown, it's called. But everyone is called upon to pray the Dominican Rosary. That, like the like the Carmelite Brown Scapular, it's a universal today of uh, Marian devotion and just survival in our modern world. So I asked a uh, Franciscan father, whom I know, a traditional priest, how he handled that. And he says, "Well, I just say the the daily crown myself, my own, on my own, privately every day." But when it comes to preaching or the feast day in October and all the rest, obviously, that's going to be uh, the Dominican Rosary recited publicly in the chapel. So there has to be a certain spirit of uh, cooperation amongst the different orders and amongst the devotees of all of these different scapulars. But I do think the universality is going to be found in the brown scapular. Well, it's funny you mentioned the, the rivalries between the, uh, the different religious orders. I'm reminded of, uh, of a story of uh, this woman was on a train with uh, a Jesuit and a Dominican. And she's a, you know, nice Protestant lady. And, uh, you know, she's inquiring as to their habits, you know. Uh, well, you know, what's the, what's the difference between the, the two of you? You know, uh, why do you wear these different habits? And, you know, the Jesuit responded says, well, you know, we are a religious order founded uh, to combat uh, Protestantism, Lutheranism. And she sort of shifted uncomfortably in her seat. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well. And uh, suddenly turned to the Dominican. And so, so you know, uh, why, you know, what's the origin of, of your order? So well, we were uh, an order that was uh, founded to combat the Albigensians. And she said, what's that? And he said, that's the difference. Ah, <laughs> Um, so 
I think about that holy rivalry, and um, it's somewhat sometimes with devotions, you're actually, it can be kind of overwhelming. I, I always think about that whenever I get to a litany. Let's say it's the month of June, and the litany of the Sacred Heart. It's July, we have the litany of the Sacred Blood, or chaplets, which will be a, a topic for another show. Mm-hmm. We just have so many. It can be kind of overwhelming, mm-hmm. and as you say, the, the fervent, uh, pious, traditional Catholic will want will want to to try to say every. I remember in my in my salad days of traditional Catholicism, I don't know how many litanies I was saying, but part of it is, as you say, finding one that that fits your particular spirituality. And I think sometimes yeah. the temptation for us is traditional Catholics, and I'm guilty of this, I'll say, you know, if one is good, two is better. You know, you know, why just right. get one scapular when I can get five? You know, if I'm if I'm in confession and I yeah. forgot about a sin, I'll just throw in another sin. I'll say it was three times, you know, Father. And um, and so I think your point's well taken that to say it's understandable to, when we think about the fivefold scapular, but it's not it's not necessary. But because Catholicism is so open in this way, you're free to, if that's what suits your spirituality, that you can go up, you can, you can go through that way. Certainly. And then another possible approach, I think I talked about this earlier in connection with some other devotion, one of the first shows, is to follow the devotion in the spirit of the liturgy and to vary your devotion. By it, For example, if you vary your private prayers, uh, that's recommended because that's a way of, of not doing things just out of habit and of having a, of having a real, um, maybe a real feeling of devotion, a sensible spiritual devotion for want of anything else that might come because a certain prayer strikes you. But then we say consueta vilesco, customary things grow cheap after a while. So then change it or vary it. So July, well, that's a month of devotion to the precious blood and to this brown scapular. So you would emphasize that. And then August, that's going to be the assumption. That's going to be uh, Mary's Immaculate Heart, September, Our Lady's Sorrows, and the, and the Holy Cross. So you can bury the litanies, the novenas, the devotions, and even your medal or scapular that you might wear on a particular occasion by means of uh, promoting and showing your own your own devotion. Um, Our Lady gave uh, a, a scapular at uh, Pelvoisin in, uh, in in France to uh, uh, to the woman whom she healed who was who was dying, and this was um, 1876. Uh, her name was Estelle Fagat. Uh, it, it's called the Scapular of the Sacred Heart, and I, I just mention that because our, our Lady says, how I love this devotion, but I'm not sure if she's talking about the devotion of the Sacred Heart itself or the devotion to this particular scapular. I did want to mention about the scapular uh, an interesting paradox. Catholicism is full of paradoxes. Monsignor Robert Hugh Benson, the famous uh, Anglican convert around the time of Pope Pius the St. Pius X, uh, wrote a book or gave a series of sermons on the paradoxes of Catholicism. An interesting paradox here that strikes me is this. Very often, the use of the scapular has preserved someone from death, spiritual death frequently, and sometimes from material death, the scapular literally stops the bullet. On the other hand, some scapulars, because they identify its wearer as a Catholic and the world, the devil likes to put Catholics in a certain sort of a political category as enemies of the state. Sometimes the wearing of the scapular has brought about death, but then that's a glorious death. That's the death of a martyr. So I think particularly of the um, the uh, 
revolution or the, the rising, the anti-revolutionary rising of the Vendée in France after the French Revolution. Before the French Revolution, it seems that our Lord um, appeared to certain, again, visitation nuns, as, as he did originally to St. Margaret Mary for the modern devotion to the Sacred Heart. He gave visitation nuns in, uh, at Nantes in France, the uh, a scapular called the scapular of protection there are several but this scapular of protection has it's simply a badge it's red wool with a white badge on it of the of the sacred heart and it was to be worn for protection in the coming catastrophe of the french revolution but those who wore it uh were identified then with being anti-revolutionary and that was enough uh read recently of a, of a woman who was put to death simply because she was wearing the she was caught wearing the sacred heart scapular because that was a sign of devotion to uh, to the catholic church to the pope and to the king and uh, that would be enough to to merit her condemnation but then at the same time as i say a, a glorious death of, of of martyrdom that's one of the paradoxes sometimes you get yourself in trouble because it's a sacramental it's something seen on the outside and there could be a prejudice about that um, but at the same time, there's always there are always graces that are going to come as a result of something like that. Speaking of the French Revolution, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I wanted to tell this uh, story about uh, Talleyrand. Talleyrand was uh, a bishop just at the very end of the Ancien Regime in France, just before the French Revolution broke out, and he was the very worst of the of the old French Church. That is to say. He was appointed by the king because his father, a, a nobleman, had influence and uh, was made Bishop of Autun in France and was um, extremely worldly, uh, Freemason, a uh, man of, of, of scandalous immorality, never believed anything, seemingly never believed anything. Well, he uh, uh, stayed as bishop uh, long enough to consecrate several priests as bishops for the new revolutionary church. The church, this is the advertisement I permit myself at this point, that was unicum or one with the, the revolution, the ideals of liberty, fraternity, and equality, uh, and which was condemned by the Catholic Church in Rome, the Holy Father Pius VI. Uh, After he uh, consecrated the, this, the, this mason, this man of immense immorality, and no faith. After he consecrated the, uh, these bishops, he then retired uh, from the clerical state and gave himself up to uh, diplomacy and uh, uh, politics. He was involved with Napoleon. He betrayed Napoleon. Had a very interesting life. But they say, not they don't say, it's actually uh, recorded by a bishop who has the reputation of being himself somewhat of a modernist, Monsignor Dupanlou, he tells a fascinating story of how it was that Talleyrand, this man who say was a Mason and uh, an anti-Catholic and a revolutionary uh, and, and a man of immense immorality, how he died uh, an edifying death. Uh, four hours before he died, he asked for a priest, and the priest came, and he heard his confession, 
and he avowed publicly in the presence of four witnesses uh, the great errors, he says, which had troubled uh, and afflicted the Catholic, Apostolic, and Roman Church, and in which he himself had had the misfortune to fall. Um, he was asked by the witnesses and by the priest, how on earth did he receive the grace to convert at the very end? Because, you know, they said, don't count on a deathbed conversion. You know, it's a little bit, I should say here too, that's a little bit like the idea of those who think, I'm wearing the brown scapular. Mary promised that if you wear the brown scapular, you will not go to hell. Therefore, I can commit any sin I want to. I'm good because I'm wearing the brown scapular. Well, no, because uh, the, the popes and the saints are very clear that if you wear it with that sort of a superstitious idea, you void the promises and you're not going to be saved. Nevertheless, uh, he is an example, Talleyrand is, of, as it were, the other side of the coin. So the priest asks him, uh, how on earth did you receive the grace? He, the dying man, pulls a scapular out from under his shirt, and it's the scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And he, 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 he told the priest with tears in his eyes that he had always worn his scapular all these years, and that furthermore, he always said at least one prayer to Our Lady each day. And that was how he received the grace to die. That's a wonderful story that should inspire us with confidence in the mercy of Our Lady, the power of the brown scapular, and how while avoiding ourselves any superstition or the idea that this is, would be a license to sin. Nevertheless, how God does always write straight with crooked lines. So you have a beautiful example of that in, uh, in Talleyrand. So that should inspire all of us to be faithful to the scapular and to teach that to the children, uh, that a little bit, something, is always better than nothing. And that's all scapular. It's just a little bit, a little square of brown cloth in the front and in the back. It shows your devotion to Mary, to her immaculate heart. Wear it. Don't, don't give up on it. And God, the Mother of God, won't give up on you. I think those are probably very important distinctions uh, that, that, that have to be kept in mind by our Catholics today. Without, as I say, any, anything in the way of a, of a superstitious license in order to go on sinning. The other thing I wanted to mention too, uh, uh, before we conclude about the um, about the scapular, is the the story of um, Saint Alphonsus. He, of course, was a secular priest from Naples who founded the Redemptorist congregation and was very devoted to the scapular. He, uh, like the little flower, was not found and corrupt when the process of his beatification was begun. His uh, tomb was opened, and he he was reduced to dust and there were the buckles of his shoes found there were some buttons a few other odds and ends but all of his vestments that he in which he had been buried were all reduced to dust with one exception and the only cloth that was found intact on his body was his brown scapular so you can see a picture of it is kept today as a relic uh what what a beautiful and inspiring example that should be when God does things like that, He does it for a purpose, and I, I think uh, we should remember what that purpose is, and uh, and have ourselves a great, very great devotion to Mary through her scapular. For those of you who are just joining us, um, you're listening to Devotions with Bishop Dolan, monthly show on Catholic devotions. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner. and uh, His Excellency has been giving us a real education about scapulars, uh, and you've heard. Uh, some some great stories. 
Um, let's see. I I want to make sure before we finish up the show today that um, I suppose I'd like to just mention what the five scapulars are in the five-fold scapular and then maybe just run through all the scapulars we know about and, and maybe we could end with talking about the green scapular and how... Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a secret agent way, uh, we might uh, we might use that devotion. So the, in the five-fold scapular, you have the scapular of the, of the Blessed Trinity, of the Trinitarian Order, the scapular of our Lord's Passion, the scapular of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, uh, the scapular of Our Lady of Sorrows, and then the brown scapular, Our Lady of Mount uh, Carmel. So those are considered some of the chief or the most important of the uh, of, of of the scapulars, but there are many more, someplace between eighteen and twenty scapulars. As I say, you distinguish. Sometimes there are scapulars that are historically uh, given to the members of a confraternity or a third order, attached to a first order, approved by the Catholic Church. The Servites would be an example of that, or the Trinitarians. Sometimes these scapulars, like the green scapular are um, not really scapulars at all. They're cloth badges of devotion, Sacred Heart Scapular from the Vendée, from France, or the Green Scapular that's given our... Those are, are two good examples of that. The um, It's interesting, sometimes with these devotions, Our Lady, Our Lady doesn't always choose when she appears those who are the littlest and the, and the most useless and the most ignorant, St. Bernadette, for example, in the estimation of her contemporaries and in the, esti- the sisters and in her own very humble estimation, that would describe her. Sometimes she chose women of um, incredible aplomb, accomplishment, and talent for, uh, for this mission. And so she chose a very, um, Our Lady did, a very talented and accomplished sister of charity, a nursing sister, who is said to have inspired the Protestant English uh, woman, uh, Florence Nightingale, during the era of the Crimean War. But she was the first one there in the Crimea and uh, took care of the of, of the French soldiers beautifully. At the same time, she had received the secret mission, uh, because the green scapular, I should say, that's a secret mission scapular, from Our Lady, in the mother house of the Rue de Bac in Paris, just um, a short while after Our Lady gave to another sister, and they they never really knew each other. They didn't know they both held, a, at least we don't have any evidence that they knew each other and got together and talked about uh, about their apparitions because it was always considered to be a very, very strict secret. They're in the same mother house, and um, this was in November of um, 1839 when she received from Our Lady the green scapular, which is simply a little badge of green uh, wool that has on it the, 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 the picture of Our Lady holding her immaculate heart. The green scapular is useful for all sorts of things used devoutly, for healing, for example. There's lots of wonderful stories of miraculous healing. But we know the green scapular as um, a way of, of obtaining conversions. It, it, it softens the enemy. You know, sometimes uh, in, in a war, they'll say, well we'll, 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 we'll send the Air Force in first to bomb the city, soften it, and then we'll send the artillery in, and then we'll conquer it. Well, the green scapular is the Air Force. That softens the, the, the foe and prepares the way for the graces of a conversion. So 
you use it devoutly, you hide it in somebody's uh, clothing, you put it under their bed, under the mattress, you hide it in the car, somebody whom you want to convert with uh, with the promise, that uh, the intention to say at least uh, a little prayer for that person each day. The classic green scapular prayer is, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And then Our Lady does the rest. So the green scapular is used for that particular purpose and is used uh, very efficaciously. So, and um, thank you for that, Your Excellency. So if, if someone wants to be enrolled in the Brown Scapular, obviously we're coming to the conclusion of our show, we have to have an action item here. If someone, uh, for whatever reason, hasn't been enrolled in the, in the, in the Brown Scapular before, what, what are the steps they need to take? You simply need to get yourself a brown scapular. Um, make, make sure it's a real one made out of wool. And uh, go to see a priest, any any good Catholic priest, we say the remnant priests that are left today throughout the world, and ask him to enroll you. Uh, it's in his ritual. There's a short form that may be used and is, is, and is most commonly used. Traditionally, at the occasion of First Communion, all Catholic children are enrolled in the scapular. Uh, you may not remember it because that's a long time ago, but you probably were enrolled. But um, sometimes to be on the safe side, uh, we offer at our church every summer around uh, the 16th of July an enrollment ceremony. And so you simply ask the priest to conduct that little ceremony. He blesses the scapular, and then he enrolls you in it. And that makes you to be an honorary member of the Carmelite order. And it shows then your devotion, consecration to Mary, to her Immaculate Heart. Well, that's it's simple enough. Um, well, you're actually, we started with a prayer. Um, we might 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 uh, end with a prayer, and then uh, I'll thank you for your time. Um, we uh, you have been listening to Devotions with Bishop Dolan, I mean your host Stephen Heiner, and our guest has been His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan of uh, Saint Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. Um, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what His Excellency does, you can go to sggresources.org, and there you'll find uh, links to newsletters and um, His Excellency's uh, apostolic visits where he visits other parts of the world and, and brings the sacraments. And you can also contribute to the Bishop's Fund, um, easily done there um, uh, electronically uh, through the website. So, again, that's sggresources.org. And His Excellency will return next month for an, another devotional show. Good. Well, let's conclude with another traditional Carmelite prayer to uh, honor Our Lady. Immaculate Virgin and Queen of Carmel, thou art the hope of the sufferer and the consolation of the afflicted. Look not upon my sins, but remember only that I am a poor soul, redeemed by the precious blood of thy Son, and that my heart is sealed with thy holy scapular. Hear my prayer, and if it be for the glory of God, thy honor, and the salvation of my soul, grant what I humbly ask through thy intercession. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Your Excellency. You are very welcome. God bless you all. Thank you. Bye. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.